So it seems as though for the last three weeks we have kind of been hitting on the same type of topic, and that is the idea that there are things in our lives that can and will uh, rob us of the enjoyment we have with seeking God, the enjoyment we have with living with God. There are things all over this planet that aim to steal us away from our Creator. Um, actually, this started on our graduate Sunday when Pastor Jim talked about this, and if you remembered what he talked about, we, we potentially are running the race wrong. It's not the race that's hard, it's how we're running it. Last week we talked about uh, Pastor Barden came and shared the first installment of our series here called 10. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. This week we're looking at number two, and uh, we looked at the idea of why did God give the commandments, and if we remember from last week, God gave the commandments not for something for us to follow, but to literally allow us to see how far away we actually have fallen apart from the Creator, that there is no possible way that mankind could do all the things that God requires mankind to do to bring him honor because of the fall, because of, of what Adam and Eve did in the garden uh, thousands of years ago. So we have, um, we all have the same disease. It's called sin. We all have the same issues um, when it boils right down to the, to the basic ingredients. But I want to look at, uh, we're going to look at Exodus 20, we're going to look at some other verses, but my hope for you today is that uh, God will really begin to move and shape again, once again, this idea of what could be, what are you prone to, what has the potential to steal your joy from Jesus? What has captivated you to the point where you would rather chase after that at the expense of Jesus instead of chase after Jesus at the expense of that thing. That's my hope for you today, that God would reveal that to us, not so that we would feel guilty, not so that we would feel down on ourselves, but that so that we could rise up and realize, realize the dysfunction of that chase, and we could rise up new people chasing after the living God. So my hope, that's my hope for you today. Let's look at Exodus 20, and we'll get into this really um, captivating verses here. It says, Then God, if you're reading yourselves, it's Genesis 21 through 6. It says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not have any other God but me. You must not have any other God but me. If you're the type of person that underlines or highlights in your Bible, underline, highlight it, put an asterisk next to it, do something that makes that stand out for you. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea, and you must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now that's interesting, jealous Kind of weird, we're going to get into that in a little bit, because if we don't have a solid understanding of what it means that God is jealous, we could actually go astray in our belief system as it relates to the creator of this universe. So I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands." So before we really get into this and unpack this, I want to just give you a highlight of here's what an idol is, just so you can kind of understand, here's what an idol is. Now, as we look into this, you might begin to kind of think of things that you might be prone to making an idol. Um, there's lots of things, there's sport, and usually idols start out as good things. They start out as things that, that God allows us to enjoy, God allows us to have, and we make them and elevate them into a God thing. So a good thing turns into a God thing. But here's, here's how you can recognize an idol. An idol is whatever has captivated your heart apart from Jesus. 
An idol is whatever has captivated your heart apart from Jesus. If you remember the first time, maybe if you're married and you remember the first time you fell in love with the person you're with today, and you remember that, 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 that feeling in your tummy, oh, the butterflies, right? And you're staring and gazing into their eyes and lovingly, and you're realizing, man, I want to spend the rest of my life with that person. And it wouldn't matter who walked by right then, right? It wouldn't have mattered who walked by your path. Nothing could have robbed your gaze from that person because your love for them was so big, was so, um, was so full. They, they, they did everything that they needed to do for you. Nobody else was going to rob that. And that's the idea that Jesus is supposed to hold that spot for you in a spiritual sense, that nothing should ever rob you. When you look at Jesus, that nothing could walk by, nothing could offer itself to you, nothing could give itself to you that would cause your eyes to shift to that thing and begin to follow it and, and leave your eyes off of Jesus. So an idol was whatever has captivated your heart, captured your heart apart from Jesus. Second, an idol is what you cling to and confide in to find security apart from Jesus. So it's something that you want, it's something you, you feel secure, and it can be a relationship, it can be finances, it can be your job, it can be your family, it can be your house, it can be whatever. Whatever you cling to and confide in for security apart from Jesus, who is the giver of all things that are good, then you might have an idol. Now, what do idols do? The idols, um, an idol will steal what's best by allowing contentment in what's mediocre. Think about that. Idols will steal what's best by allowing you to feel content in what's mediocre. You'll settle. An idol will allow you to settle. Uh, I probably know I could get a little bit more if I go to God, but this is easier and, I can, and this is okay. I can live like this. Jesus says, no way. I have something way better for you than what that little junky mute idol is going to give you. So come to me. Reject that idol. Idols allow temporary happiness to steal everlasting and eternal joy. Do you know there's a difference between happiness and joy? There's a huge difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is, is completely um, subjected to your environment. When you're happy, it's what's going on around you. When you're joyful, it's what's going on inside of you. So if you're looking for happiness, an idol can supply that. If you're looking for an eternal, everlasting joy, only Jesus can supply that. Now here's, here's the big, here's the big um, uh-ohs. You ready? You ready? Buckle your seats, Okay. Ready? Everyone do this. Everyone go. Good. Some of you did that. Some of you said, that's really lame and I'm not doing it. That's okay. Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. That's fine. No big deal. Um, but now God won't use you. But that's okay. So idle, idle results. So let's, let's look at idols. Will, this is going to be tough. You ready? Idols will create limits of what God can ask of you. Idols will create limits. So if you have an idol and God says something that's going to jeopardize your relationship with that idol, you will deny God. Because that relationship or that thing or that feeling or that convenience or that comfort is in jeopardy. And there is no way that that idol will ever be removed unless you choose to remove it because God is greater than that idol. So idols will create limits of what God can ask of you. That's a tough one, right? We actually have the ability. Do you realize that as, the as all the things that God ever created, you and I are the only ones that can say no to him? Rocks can't say no. Stars can't say no. The grass can't say no. We are the only things that God made that could reject him and say no to him. So idols will create limits of what God can ask of us. Now here's another tough one. I hope you're still buckled up. Idols are created in areas of our lives where we are disappointed in God. If you're lonely and single and all you want is a mate, 
you will chase after that more than Jesus. If you're not as wealthy as your neighbor and you see all the things they have and you want those things, you'll chase after that lifestyle instead of Jesus. If you don't have the job that you wish you could have, if you have this huge education and you don't have the job that you wish you could have, you're going to chase after that job. You're going to chase after that career potentially more than Jesus. Potentially. I don't know if that doesn't necessarily mean you are and you've made it an idol. It simply means you're, you might be prone to or it could have the potential to become an idol. So idols are created in areas of our lives where we are the most disappointed in God. Where are you the most disappointed in God? That's a risky question, right? Risky question. Where are you the most disappointed? Where do you think God's supposed to show up and he hasn't? Idle territory. Idle territory. What situation has God not seemed to be solving and he's silent and he's distant and he's not involved? Idle territory. Right there. That's where an idol will begin to take shape. That's where an idol will begin to kind of be mustered up because we are disappointed in who God is. We are disappointed in what God is doing and we don't believe that what he is doing is good and so we will then create something that we believe is better to replace what he is doing only to our detriment. So idols will create limits of what God can ask of us and idols are created in areas of our lives where we're disappointed in God. Now, there's a certain text that I think is going to help us see the real heart behind this verse where it says, you must not have any other God but me because between me and you, you we know that we don't build, um, you know, sculptures and worship them. That's not the way our idols don't have shape as they did back then. There was lots of gods in the days that, that, that God was giving these commandments. There were lots of nations worshiping lots of gods, and oftentimes they were sim sim uh, symbolized by these uh, created things through wood, um, you know, or something that they would create and they would worship it. It was a physical representation of their God. And so God is saying, you must not do that. You must not make a physical representation of some God and worship it. Now, we don't, you don't see ourselves doing that today, right? So you might, but we're not off the hook from idol worship. Uh, let's look at Luke 9, 23. We're going to look at what Jesus said about following him. Because that's really what we're looking at. When God says, you must not have any other gods, he's saying, you have to follow me only. He's, say, he's saying something very peculiar here that is going to scream in the face of a lot of people who would rather just do things their own way, which I wanted to do as I was growing up in my teen years and into my 20s. Before I ever knew Jesus, I was living my life my own way. And Jesus at one point uh, just came in my face and revealed to me the sin that I had, the sins in my life, and pushed me to a place where I had to either respond to him or reject him. I'd either, I either had to give my, commit myself to him or completely reject him because there was no other way out. He had made it too clear of what was going on in my life. But let's look at Luke 9, 23 in the NLT. It says this. It says, Then he, Jesus, this is who he is, said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Uh, there's a lot of powerful statements in that. If, you, if any of you wants to be my follower, not if, now if you were to take that that comment, um, if any of you wants to be my follower. It's actually, um, that's actually a soft way of putting it. What it actually means, and I think the ESV version says it even better, it says, if anyone would come after me. That's really the, it's, it's talking about a, a pursuit, a chasing after, a running after, uh, not, not, not a, 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 a subtle, hey Jesus, how you doing? Yeah, we're, I'm okay, how are you doing? It's, I'm running after you. Full force. No stopping. I, I almost look silly. I'm running after you so hard that the people watching around me probably think I'm a little bit wacky. 
And this is, uh, this is the idea. Because then it says, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So the, the big question is, what does it mean to come after Jesus? What does it mean to come after Jesus? Well, the first thing that coming after Jesus requires is passion. Passion. Passionately coming after Jesus. Coming after him like, like it matters. Coming after him like it's worth every single thing that you have to give, that you have to give up, that you have to do. It's worth everything. Listen to this verse in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Listen to this. He sold everything he owned and he loved every minute because he knew what he was going to get out of it was so much better. So the question that this is asking us is, are you willing to sell and give up and give away everything you have that could deny your relationship with Jesus in order to have that relationship with Jesus? This is a huge idea. And it says he was excited. In his excitement, he hit it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. If you have an idol, you'll never sell your stuff. I'm not talking about material stuff. I'm saying whatever that means for you, whatever you'd have to give up, whatever, whatever uh, you love more than him, if it's an idol and Jesus asks for it, it will remain your idol. It will limit what God can ask of you and it'll be created because you're disappointed in God. So here's the main point here. Jesus wants to achieve your affection, not just attract your attention. Jesus wants to achieve your affection not just attract your attention. Now, I have a video I want to show you. Um, has anybody ever been in the hit? Now, now, it's okay to admit this, okay? Because lots of people have. Has anybody ever been to a Michael Jackson concert? Michael Jackson concert. Stop it. Somebody has. Stop it. It's okay. We're all family here. No one's ever been to okay. So, but we all know who Michael Jackson was, and um, we, his fans were probably the most crazy and wacky fans I've ever seen on the, on the face of this planet. Um, if you ever watch interviews with some of the people that would talk about him and talk to him, they're, weak, they're passing out, they're crying. Something about this guy, Michael Jackson, caused such a stir in people's emotional stability that they were <laughs> beside themselves just to see him live. Um, I want to show you a video of one fan at a concert who went above and beyond what you should be doing at a concert and the impact that Michael Jackson had on her. And just to kind of see uh, this, and we're going to use this to kind of go into our next point. So if you can show that video, Marilyn, that would be great. Michael's uh, lip-syncing. What do you think?
right, so um, crazy fan, a little bit. Now, I thought it was, int- I mean, that's a borderline worshiping situation. She got on her knees, she's kissing his hand, she's crying, she's weeping. I mean, I've been preaching for a long time. No one's ever done that to me. I, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the, you know what I mean? Like if that, come on. What, what, what's Michael got I ain't got, you know? So, but I mean, think about the, here's, here's the situation we're looking at. We are looking at someone who could have cared less what anyone else that was watching. He meant more to her than any of the, the gossip, the comments, the slam, anything that would come her way. The fact that she got to do that meant more to her than all those things. You know why? You know why it's kind of weird to us, almost unsettling for us to watch that is because um, we don't think of Michael the same way she thinks of Michael. When people watch you worship Jesus the way Jesus deserves to be worshiped, they won't get it because they don't love Jesus the way you love Jesus. Don't let people who don't understand who Jesus is stop you from worshiping the way he deserves to be worshiped. Passion. That girl was passionate about going after, going after Michael. Passionate. I say Jesus deserves that even more, infinitely more. So the second thing, so, so the idea there, the first thing we have is coming after Jesus requires passion. Number two, coming after Jesus requires exclusivity, meaning this is an exclusive relationship. Uh, now, how many of you are married? Raise your hand if you're married. Okay, keep your hand up if you went to a Michael Jackson concert. <laughs> Thought I'd get you. On October 18th, 2003, hearts all across the world were broken when I married my wife, Carrie. I was off the market. All the girls were weeping, crying. And, um, but here's the thing. When I married Carrie, I said no to every other woman. When I married Carrie, I said no to every millions and millions of poor women all over the planet. I said no to when I committed myself to Carrie. And she, God bless her, said no to every other man when she married me. Now, I want you to think about this. All of you have probably, those of you that are married have, have made vows to your, to your spouse, but I want to ask, what if your vows were a little different? I think, I think sometimes when we see the, how the world views marriage, these vows probably fit better into a marriage ceremony in our, today, in our you know, day-to-day than maybe what we normally say. But imagine if this is what you promised. Ready? Here we go. So I'll just use Carrie and I. So um, I, Mike, take you, Carrie, to cuddle with, live with, and help pay bills we'll acquire together. I'll definitely be around when things are good, but not so much when things are lame. If you get a cold, I'm okay with running while I'll drive to the store for medicine. However, if you get to the point where you're too sick to meet my needs and make me happy, I'll have to move on. Forsaking probably most others, I will have more, I will be I will more or less be faithful to you for as long as I'm attracted to you. If some hottie crosses my path, chances are I'll spend time trying to win their affection and lose interest in you. I'll commit to live with you for as long as this works out. She'd walk right off that stage. Either that or her dad would pull me off the stage. One of those two things would happen. Can you imagine if I went up to her father and said, hey, I'd really like to ma- marry your, your daughter, Carrie. I'd really, I mean, I'm, I love, right now at this moment, I love her. I don't know how long that's going to last, but right now, wow, do I love her. <laughs> Holy moly. I mean, if she gains any more weight, probably not going to happen. I might have to leave her. But right now, man, she is good looking. And I'm okay with that. Like, imagine if that, he'd punch me right in the face. He should anyway. 
Man, I mean, can you imagine if that was what we were committing ourselves to? Can you imagine if that's what, and sometimes I think we look at that's what we're committing to Jesus. Jesus is saying, you and I are to be it. There is no one else that you are to serve like you serve me. There is no one else that you are to give your life to like you've given it to me. There is no one else that you are to devote your time, your energy, your resources, your everything like you do to me. He says, Jesus says, Jesus wants to be your one and only, not your one of many. Jesus wants to be your one and only, not your one of many. Can you imagine if you told your spouse, I really love you, but I love some other people too. I'd really love to spend as much time with them as I spend with you. What? That sounds goofy. But yet that's what we do with Jesus sometimes. That's what an idol will do with Jesus. An idol says, Jesus, I still love you, but this is so good too. And you don't give me that, but I want that really bad. And so I'm going to share my affection. One of those two things is going to be your God. And it's whichever one you are willing to do without in order to keep the one you want most. So the question is, what do you want more than Jesus? Look at Luke 48, it says this, Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Only him. The scriptures say, Jesus says this, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now we have a big, we have a, quite a task in front of us. Because for some of us, we might begin realizing, man, there are some things in my life that kind of are way more attractive to me than than they should be. There are things that steal my attention or could potentially steal my attention. Um, So the question you have to ask yourself is, what are you the most prone to? You see, I have to ask it that way because I may not have made an idol out of something yet, but I might be in the territory of an idol manufacturer because if I'm disappointed in some area of my life and I don't feel like God is doing something about it, I may create an idol to repair it for me. So that's why I have to ask it in a way. I have to ask you the question, what are you prone to creating an idol of? Who are you prone to creating an idol of? Big questions. I think once God gets a hold of that stuff, once we can begin to see through those lenses, once we begin to take inventory of where we stand before God our King, God can begin to do some miraculous things. Now just to close us out here, I've got some power questions I want to ask you. Number one, what or who has the potential to capture your affection apart from Jesus? What or who has the potential to capture your affection apart from Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself that question. What or who? Now, if you're married or you're going home with someone today or you're hanging out with people having lunch, I double-dog dare you to start to ask this question among your friends and family. Ask, ask each other. Say, hey, you know, we heard about this today, and I wonder, what would you say? What, would, what, is, what if something in your life were to p- potentially become an idol? What might it be? I, I'd, rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather expose those things now, Right? I'd rather have that discussion when maybe they're not at full-fledged idol, you know, an idol 
within our lives, I'd rather do it now than wait till they're full-fledged idols stealing our affection and our love and our joy and our peace and our, and our relationship with Jesus long down the road when we've fallen apart from who Jesus is. The second question I want to ask is what or who are you prone to share your affection with along with Jesus? What or who are you prone to share your affection with along with Jesus? We can have our worship team come back up. We'll, we're going to close here in a few minutes. But I want you to ask those questions when you go home. When you're, when you're with each other today, when you're with your significant others, when you're with your friends, if you're out lunch, ask, ask them this question. Write it down. What or who has the potential to capture your affection apart from Jesus? What or who are you prone to share your affection with? along with Jesus. Jesus wants to achieve your affection, not just attract your attention. You see, a lot of us could have looked at Michael Jackson and say, wow, he's a really good pop star. He's really good at what he does. He's a good singer. He's got a great voice. He's got great stage presence. And a lot of us might be able to, to appreciate who Michael Jackson is, but that girl clearly took it to a new level and was affectionate toward him. An emotional state was changed within her. So Jesus wants to achieve your affection, not just attract your attention. Jesus wants to be your one and only, not your one of many. I love the way the verse says it. And as we close, I just want to bring some attention to some words in here. It says, I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. He will not tolerate your affection. If you're married, would you tolerate your spouse's affection for another person? Would you say, oh, I get it. I understand. It's tough. It's tough to be married to me, right? I get it. I understand. Yeah, go and find someone who can treat you the way you want. But then it says this, says I'm a jealous God. Now, this is a big statement because when it says he's a jealous God, it's saying something pretty powerful. And in fact, um, in an interview with Oprah Winfrey in, in the 90s, this, she said the moment came when her pastor said that God is a jealous God, and that was the day she walked away from Jesus. She walked away from believing as Christianity as the only way because she said, how could I worship a God that is jealous of me? He's not, je he's not jealous of you as if you have something he can't have. He's jealous for you. He isn't jealous of you He's jealous for you. He doesn't want to share you with anyone. He has your best interests in mind. He knows if you give your attention and your affection to anyone else, they will dismantle everything that he is trying to do in your life. If you give your love and your care, your devotion to anyone else, they will challenge that which God is trying to do. So we're going to sing one last song. our worship team. Oh. Are we missing Andy? Oh, we got to find Andy. I did close early, huh? Let's call him. Want to call him right now? Let's call him right now.
Andy. Yeah. Hey, we're waiting for you. Everyone's waiting to sing the last song. Yeah, we're just waiting. But we'll we'll wait. We'll we'll just be here when you get here. Uh, gotta have fun, right? Poor guy. What time is it? Did I end really early? It's 9.30. You guys are getting off good today. Wow. He probably doesn't even believe me. Actually, your laughter, he's probably left and gone to some other church now. So now what do we do? Got any jokes? Got any jokes? Or are you recording this? When he comes in. Oh my God. I love you. I love you so much. It worked. Oh. Oh my, go on vacation oh my gosh, yeah. He said, I'm, he said, I'm going to send that to Barton and he'll never go on vacation again. Huh? Planned, remember? Right, you didn't, now you just ruined it. All right, so somehow we got to bring this back to a spiritual something. All right, all right. So, thank you guys for worshiping me. That was nice. Clearly, clearly, I have become your idol. I can stop pastoring now. I can stop pastoring. I've, I've made it. I've arrived. Um, hopefully, you can kind of sift through all that stuff. What, what is it? I'm sure that God, even though this has been pretty fun, um, what has God been stirring in your heart? Where do you need to kind of sift through and allow God to do something pretty powerful? Because anything can rob you of the joy that Jesus can give you. So I'm going to repeat those questions because in all the craziness that just ensued, you've probably totally forgotten them. What or who has the potential to captivate your affection apart from Jesus? What or who has the potential to capture your affection apart from Jesus? And number two, who or what or who are you prone to share your affection with along with Jesus? Now, my hope is that as we sing this song, you will take real stock, real inventory of where your heart is that you would allow God to really challenge you and say these are some areas in your life where, you know what? Don't let it go any farther. Don't let yourself off the hook. Don't let it look as any less than it really is. It's a big deal to, to, even, to even entertain the idea of, of an idol. So don't wait till it's an idol. Start now. Look at your life now and decide where do I have a potential to develop an idol. So we're going to sing this last song and hopefully God can speak to your heart. Stand up. Here at your feet, I'll always be. I lift my eyes 
will be up here as we close the service. If God has sparked anything in your life that really needs to be committed to him, to means to be given up for him, um, I, I, I ask you to make that choice. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret doing something that will encourage and benefit your relationship with Jesus. And if Jesus is who I think he is and who I know he is, he will never let you get away with it. He'll continue to remind you. He'll bring it up in your prayer life. That's one thing about Jesus I know is true. Whenever I'm dealing with something that I'm, ne I'm re re neglecting to give up or rejecting of him, then he always, whenever I go to prayer about something I'm, I find important, he always seems to bring that to mind. He's like, that might be what you want to pray about, but I need to go back to this thing that you seem to be so bent on not listening to me about. So I don't know what that is for you, but our prayer partners will be up here. They're great people who would love to pray for you and bring your needs to God's throne together and stand with you in prayer. So let's close in prayer, and if you want, you can stay and pray, and um, if you want to just come and kneel at the altar and just commit yourself to God again or for the first time, that'd be awesome. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time today. Thank you so much for the fun we can have, and also, God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that is available, that, God, even if we have made an idol, you've made a way for us to get out of that. You've made a way to forgive us. You've made a way for us to be removed from all the things that that's promised us that would never actually happen. You've made a way for us to be forgiven because of Jesus. That's why we chase after him. That's why we run after him. That's why we worship him. That's why we bow to him. That's why we aim to live for him. That's why we try to exalt him. That's why we do what we can and do our best to glorify him. That's why we change who we are to benefit who he is as people watch us. God, help us to understand that it, it is of such importance for us to be molded and shaped into the presence of Jesus, into the person of Jesus, because he is who everyone needs, not us, not our good behavior, not our good deeds, not our awesome lifestyles, but they need Jesus. So I pray that he is who they see when they see us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may... You may leave if you want to come forward and pray. That would be awesome. Have a great day.